0: This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider Trip Insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at TripInsurance.com.
1: Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio.
0: Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. Coming up on this week's show, a review of MSC Seaview out of Barcelona. It was a Mediterranean cruise round trip. Crib. Matt gives us the good, the bad, and the ugly of MSC Cruises. It seems like there are still a couple of things MSC Cruises just can't get their hands around. And uh, Matt will talk all about it here in just a little bit. Also, a shout out to Matt, too. He works in emergency operations over in the Gulf Coast. And uh, I know he's getting his butt handed to him this week. So keep up the good work, buddy. We need people like you out there. Richard Sims back with Cruise News next week, so we'll jump to Matt right now.
1: Good to hear from you, my man, and, and it's so great to, uh, to talk with you in person here, and I can't tell you how big of a fan I am and how much uh, certainly – The Mrs. and I, the new Mrs. and I uh, enjoy your show and enjoy all of the work that you do for the industry on a weekly basis.
0: Very kind of you to say, Matt. Thank you so much. Let's take a step back here before we get to the MSCC view like we always do. Now, this was your honeymoon cruise, so very cool for one, but also what made you want to decide to fly across the ditch, board MSCC view for this seven-night honeymoon cruise?
1: My wife and I were talking uh, about about a Mediterranean cruise for quite a while. And it just seemed natural for our honeymoon uh, to to be that. Now, we got married in November of 2022. And as avid cruisers, both of us had several reasons. Uh, Number one, we actually met on a cruise in early 2020, about a month before the industry-wide shutdown. So doing a cruise was just as much of a, you know, kind of a sentimental nostalgia thing as it was anything else. Number two, my wife had actually never been to Europe. So it was a chance to see the most places in a short period of time. And then number three, we chose Memorial Day week so that we could each have that additional day of vacation that wouldn't have to claim against our work or vacation time. And uh, and as a seasoned traveler to Europe myself, I knew that uh, the weather was perhaps the best in the med at this time of year. So kind of that late May, early June, you're just getting into darn near perfect weather at that time of year. So So our must-haves, Doug, also kind of the pre-cruise thoughts here, the must-haves, we wanted a cruise that was a traditional week long um, Mm -hmm. that started on either a Saturday or Sunday for travel purposes, again, so as to not have to stretch into a second week of missing work. And then number two, uh, a balcony cabin with also a drink package, specialty dining, and Wi-Fi for under 3K. So that was kind of what we were looking for. Uh, obviously, the 3K number did not include traveling to get there. Mm-hmm. So, just just to kind of give you some background here, Doug, if I can, my father and I actually cruised the Med on the Norwegian Epic in late June, early July of 2019. And we were able to fly from Miami to the embarkation port city of Barcelona on Transair Portugal with a stop in Lisbon at the time for like $900 for round trip for both of us. Well, my wife and I actually had a lot more trouble finding affordable flights uh, this time around that we needed than my father and I did four years earlier. So once we decided on the cruise that we were going to take, We underestimated the challenges of finding flights that fit both our wallets and the times that we were looking for. So we ended up choosing this French-Canadian carrier called Air Transat, which included a stop in in Montreal, Canada, before continuing on to Barcelona. So, Doug, my wife and I live in Tampa, so we had to fly to Miami and then wait in Miami to, uh, to catch the flight to Montreal, Canada, just to get to Barcelona. So, um anyway, that that was kind of a uh, certainly a, 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 I guess a stretch that I think we wish we could have back. Uh, so, we left uh with the time change, we left on May 25th and arrived in Barcelona on Friday, May 26th, which was one day before our cruise departure uh of Saturday, May 27th. So, like I said, the the trip originated in Miami with a scheduled three-hour layover in Montreal. But due to aircraft maintenance issues, we were actually two and a half hours delayed leaving Miami, which made our connection Mm -hmm. paper-thin in Montreal. So we politely mentioned this uh, concern about making the next flight, along with our baggage, uh, being transferred to the flight from Montreal to Barcelona to the flight attendant, who, of course, told us not to worry, as there were 27 others making the same connection, many of which, come to find out, would actually be on the same cruise that we were. Mm -hmm. So once we landed in Montreal, a gate agent was waiting for us and and the aforementioned 27 others uh, who were uh, to catch the flight onto Barcelona. And it turns out we had to run all the way back to the, I guess, spot where customs is done right when you check in to Trudeau Airport in Montreal, um, which we were uh, basically 29 Americans uh, sprinting through the uh, Trudeau Airport with uh, some uh, laughable French comments from a lot of the staff <laughs> there at Trudeau Airport. So again, we made the flight, luckily, but uh, we asked the flight attendant again about our bags, and she says, oh, yes, the captain is seeing to it that uh, all the luggage uh, on the next flight is going to be put on this, you know, from your previous flight it's going to be put on this flight, But once we arrived in Barcelona, we uh, eventually discovered that no one out of the 29 total connecting passengers, no one had their luggage. So that was kind of the way that our honeymoon cruise began.
0: (laughs) Do you use a, uh, it's a hell of a story. Do you use uh, like any kind of air tags or anything for your luggage?
1: So I can hear my wife uh, kind of uh, laughing in my head about this. She had it on hers. I did not have it on mine, Uh but obviously we figured that, uh, you know, that, that our bags were together and we just, you know, by the time there wasn't uh, sufficient, to my recollection, there wasn't sufficient Wi-Fi on the air transat flight, or maybe we just didn't pay for it. I can't remember. Um, And so we didn't really kind of get it together uh, that our bags were still again, over in Canada, uh, until we got to Barcelona, so we we could see obviously that that they were not uh, in Barcelona.
0: So how far? Like, so your cruise leaves the next day. When did your bags actually arrive?
1: Uh, well, I do have that uh, as a part of the story that that comes later. But I'll okay. go ahead and tell you, it was not until uh, the fourth day of the cruise oh, uh, that we finally got, got our, our, our luggage. And uh, again, my wife. Um, God bless her, who is eight and a half years younger than me, was much better prepared because she had packed like a few things in her carry-on bag. Uh, I basically just did my carry-on bag was entirely like shoes and belts and things of that nature. So, um, Doug, I'm not a small guy. I'm, I'm 6'5", 250 pounds. So, um, I, I don't know if you knew this or maybe your listeners know this, there's not a whole lot of double XLs in Europe. Uh, You you can kind of look around uh, a little bit in order to to find stuff. So we lucked out a little bit. uh, The hotel that we were staying at in Barcelona the night before the cruise, uh, which was the Hampton by Hilton Grand Fria, which is about a seven minute Uber or so from the uh, cruise port there in Barcelona. The concierge there really were, were helpful. And there was actually a shopping mall, uh, kind of your traditional style mall there in Barcelona. That was about a 10 minute walk. Um, and I was able to get a few things there and uh, to get me by. And the other luck that we had was the there was only one themed night on the cruise along with the captain's club, you know, more formal night. And both of them were backloaded. So luckily, we do have a good kind of ending to the lost baggage story with that. We did get them back uh, in time to at least have the theme party and the, um, the formal night covered. So that was good, at least.
0: Good gosh. So you make your way on board the ship with some, uh, some new clothes. Uh, how was your embarkation process there in Barcelona? And how long did it take you from the pier to the ship?
1: Doug, uh, thank you. By the way, and embarkation uh, embarkation was very very easy, uh, especially with very little luggage. By the way, uh, yeah, they <laughs> we had I um, I don't know if people uh, are familiar with this. I'm sure they are if they have taken a Mediterranean cruise. But Barcelona is pretty much like the Miami or Lauderdale of uh, of of the Med, if you will. I understand, obviously, not as big in terms of how many cruises go in and out, but. Um, it's only about a like I said a five to seven minute Uber. Uber is kind of weird in Spain. it's it doesn't uh, it doesn't take you right to Uber. It actually takes you to one of the cab services, but it's still kind of the exact same thing. Um, when you uh, when you get to the Barcelona airport and uh, it looked like there were about i w- uh, pardon me the Barcelona cruise port, uh, it looked like there were five other ships, including ours that were in ports. Um, and all of them have their own terminals. So um, everyone that was in our terminal, for instance, was getting on the Seaview that day. So there's really, you know, it's, it's as long as you're headed to the right terminal, it's very easy to navigate. And most of the time your, your Uber driver, or cab driver is gonna know exactly where to take you. Um, we did arrive slightly early and they weren't quite letting people board uh, quite yet. So after about 30 minutes, We were able to board uh, with the first wave of people, given our MSC black card status. And so all in all, Curb the Ship was about 40 minutes. Uh, Again, had we shown up right, right at the right time instead of early, Doug, it might have been 15 minutes. I mean, it was nothing.
0: Nice. So you make your way on board Seaview. What were your first impressions of the ship?
1: It's gorgeous. Uh, the ship was absolutely beautiful. And, and I, I remember obviously uh, taking several times its, uh, its sister ship, the Seaside, which of course is in the same classification. I love this class of ship, mainly because there are so many outdoor spaces. Um, I love how you've got multiple pool decks, whether it's the main pool deck uh, up on the top or the sunset pool in the back of the ship. I believe it was on deck seven. Uh, I also love how there's a nightclub that that spills out into the back pool deck when it gets dark. It's kind of like a cool neon lit party at night while seeing the ocean right behind you. So it's it's a nice touch on this class of ship. And also with any newer MSC ship, you really are going to notice the glitzy, glammy uh, you know, decor and interiors of the ship. Obviously, this is you know highlighted by the famed uh, Sorvatsky crystal staircases throughout the center decks. Of the promenade. She's just a gorgeous lady. MSC, Doug, uh, as we know, certainly has its faults, but I don't think that you can really question how nice their newer ships are. Uh, My wife and I don't spend uh, a lot of time in our cabin other than to sleep, you know, alone time or to get dressed. So uh, we just, uh, you know, went for your standard balcony cabin, which was on deck 10. It was great, Uh, no complaints. It suited our needs. Plus, Having the balcony gives you those great, you know, Mediterranean views in the mornings, which were nice to wake up to. And and I was tempted, uh, kind of rewinding here for a second. I was tempted given that this was our honeymoon to go for a suite or junior suite, but we just decided that we were good with the regular balcony.
0: Now you, uh, you said you had the black card with MSC. So let me ask you this. I want to take a couple of steps back here. So when you were pricing, you had that three K budget, were you looking at other cruise lines or were you like, you know what? We have the black card with MSC. We're going to sail with them.
1: So that's, a, that's a, I'll give you a loaded answer to your question there. Um, we were open to doing other cruise lines. My wife happens to be a big fan just to kind of give you some some cruise uh, background with us. I've been on twenty seven cruises, and i'm I'm, I'm thirty five, and I didn't start till I was nineteen. And so I, I, as you can tell, with missing two years, obviously, from the the COVID shutdown, um, uh, essentially I've taken, you know, four to five a year. Uh, I think five is my max. And most of the time it's been three, mm-hmm. you know, really since I was 19 years old. And I also love celebrity. Um, I just think it's, it's kind of the most modern kind of bang for your buck that you're getting, even though it's considered a, you know, air quotes, uh, premium cruise line. My wife is a big fan of Royal and she's been on eight cruises prior to this. And six of the eight have been royal. And so we were open to other lines. I kind of steered us towards MSC, mainly because we were trying to stick with that budget. And if you book directly with MSC and you're a black card holder, you get 25% off, I believe. Okay, and wow. so that's, that's kind of was the selling point. And then on top of that, again, as I mentioned, MSC has their faults. And I'll get into that a little bit later. However, I had heard that they do Mediterranean cruising just about as good or better than anyone. So I wanted to kind of, I had sailed them numerous, numerous times in the Caribbean, obviously, but I wanted to give them a shot over in their home turf.
0: Yeah, it's like that a lot, too, like with Costa as well. Um, Costa has a crap product in the U.S. when they do sail from here. But over <laughs> over in Italy, I've sailed them three times in Italy, and it's like spot on. It's like a, one of the best cruise right. lines. Like I put them up against Carnival, Royal, and Norwegian, and Holland America, who have all sailed in the Med before. And like Costa was spot on. Haven't done uh, MSC yet, but there is something to be said about sailing a cruise line on their home turf.
1: Exactly, exactly. And they seem to be really, um, how would I say this, a little bit more well-respected in Europe. Um, Obviously, again, as I keep going back to, uh, they've got their their faults or their issues in the U.S. Um, They are kind of what Carnival or Royal Caribbean is in the U.S. That's what they are in Europe. Mm -hmm. So. Um, they, they tend to get good port placement uh, at the at the various ports around Europe, et cetera. So again, kind of one of the things that was one of those many factors as to why we went with them.
0: Nice. So you, you enjoyed your staterooms. So let's talk about the dining uh, dining on this ship. So did you do any specialty restaurants? But first off, let me just ask you, let's talk about the main buffet, the Alito buffet, as we call it back here in the U.S. How was that uh, experience? And does this ship have... Uh, Doesn't this class of ship have two levels of buffets?
1: Yes. uh, Yeah. The buffet was fine. Uh, We usually go there. uh, uh, We've only been on two other cruises together because, again, we met on a cruise in uh, in early 2020, about four weeks before uh, the industry-wide shutdown. And then we had gone on a cruise, a short one, out of uh, Port Canaveral um, about six months earlier than than this, uh, about five or six months before our wedding. Um, and so um, we usually, when we obviously cruise together, uh, we usually only do the, the buffet for breakfast. And it was good, a good variety. Uh, if you've sailed this class of ship before, as you mentioned, Doug, they actually do have two buffets. The larger one is on deck eight, and a smaller one, you know, mainly with sandwiches, burgers, hot dogs, grab and go items, is near the pool deck on deck 14. Um, and so the buffet was fine. I, I, I didn't have a problem with it. Good variety, etc. cetera.
0: Now, how does MSC do the main dining room on this class of ship? Like, are you assigned one dining room and in one dining time or is it like an anytime type dining?
1: So you are assigned a main dining room. Um, yeah, again, given our black card status, we did have anytime dining, which we love, uh, especially when you're doing the Mediterranean and it's so port intensive and you're getting back to the ship, especially if you take an excursion, you're getting back to the ship kind of at all various times of the day. And so it's good to have any time dining. Um, if I can, are we, are we good to go into the main dining room? Yeah, for sure. Launch into it. All righty. I'm about to launch into MSC for this one. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. Um, one of the most talked about subjects, Doug, as as I've kind of hinted to, um, Earlier in this episode, one of the most talked about things with MSC and their controversies is their food. Uh, if, if there's anything more controversial in major cruising than MSC's food, uh, I'd love to hear it. Uh, and this cruise kind of lived up to that reputation. The first night of the cruise, we ate in the main dining room, uh, which was called that we were assigned the black sand dining room. And the food was absolutely atrocious. And the service was also equally as horrific. Now, we're not the uh, Karen complaining types. It's just, it, it's just not our character to bash hardworking crew staff. But this was just awful. I don't have any other way to say it. Uh, my wife's fish was undercooked, poorly plated. Uh, I had, uh, it had little or no seasoning. My beef bourguignon was overcooked, dry, almost unpalatable. Even the appetizers were marginal at best. And in addition to that, uh, Michaela, my wife, had to ask for for butter for her bread three times before they finally brought it out towards the end of our entrees after serving the bread that you know was served right when we sat down. It was just a, an unfortunate yeah, experience. And right up there with one of the worst main dining room experiences that I've ever had, they just can't seem to get it together, Doug, when it comes to their main dining rooms. And that's, that's really fleet-wide. And I first sailed MSC as a 21-year-old college student, 2009. Uh, they just can't seem to get it together uh, in their main dining halls. And, and again, this is my eighth MSC cruise. So um, we tried it again on the third night of the cruise just to give them the ultimate benefit of the doubt. And it was slightly better, but just marginal at best. And we just made the decision at that point that that was going to be our last night in the main dining room. And, and I don't know, Doug, I've kind of heard this rumor and, and try not to laugh too hard, but it really made me think that maybe MSC truly is trying to tank their main dining hall to send people to specialty restaurants because it definitely worked for us.
0: Yeah. It's just the percentage though. I mean, I guess, I guess it's kind of a stupid move if they were trying to do that because a percentage actually, you know, skews to go into the main dining room. So I don't know. Like I've heard of cruise lines doing that before, but it just seems like a stupid business move because food is like one of the reasons why you cruise, right?
1: Yes. Yes. And again, we were hoping going back to why we chose to do a line on their home turf. We were hoping that the food would be better in, in Europe, given that again, maybe the suppliers that I don't know, whatever the case is, and And you know, i'm I grew up in Louisiana, so i I just love love food. We're foodies, both my wife and I are. And so it was really just unfortunate. But uh, you asked about specialty dining, and uh, we entered the cruise planning on doing two specialty dining restaurants. plus we had a third specialty dining option, which included a free tasting menu. Uh, at a restaurant of our choice, which again, you get with your black card status with MSC. So, but given what I just said about the main dining room, we ended up actually doing five nights of specialty dining. Um, the first night that we did specialty dining was night two of the cruise, and we went to, uh, we utilized our free tasting menu option for this one at the um, Asian Market, which is their uh, Asian Fusion restaurant. Now, this is not the hibachi grill. That's also kind of, I guess, it's sort of two restaurants within one. This is kind of their um, uh, variety of Chinese, Japanese, Thai, and Vietnamese cuisine that they do. And the food was awesome. Um, Everything we tried on this tasting menu uh, was great. It was filling. Uh, We both uh, loved it. The drinks were great. Um, it was really, really a, a great time, very well presented and it's just a beautiful area of the ship. And, uh, if you're thinking about doing like a tasting menu or you have that option with your black card status, definitely take advantage of it at the Asian market because they'll give you a lot of variety. Um, on night four of the cruise, we did, uh, Ocean K seafood again, which is of course their seafood restaurant. and. Um, Uh, Again, Doug, uh, even though I live in Tampa, I'm from Louisiana, so usually I'm not the world's biggest fan of seafood outside of the Gulf South because I grew up with what I think is the best Creole and Cajun cooking around. But uh, we had arguably our best meal of the cruise uh, this night at this restaurant. My wife uh, had the clams and I had the snapper and we also had a variety of seafood appetizers that were great and the service was phenomenal. So, again, um, you can kind of see the trend here. The specialty restaurants um, so far were, were incredible. Um, night number five of our cruise, we had gotten back pretty late from Rome in the day, and we had kind of stuffed ourselves with some Neapolitan-style pizza uh, on land, so we we did not eat. Uh, but on night six, um, we ate at the hibachi restaurant by Roy Yamaguchi, which is, again, a uh, part of that Asian fusion market, but again, it's kind of separated from the other part of the restaurant. It's kind of a, a strict, you know, hibachi area. Um, so, just to kind of give you uh, a heads up, though, because of the limited space, they're very strict on seating times and and don't so you know don't wait until the cruise to book it unless you want to eat it like 10 p.m. The food was awesome. The chef was was entertaining and. Really made us laugh a lot. Uh, He was very funny and was even able to to get many of the seasoned hibachi lovers who have heard a lot of the same jokes from the chefs on different cruises to laugh. Again, a great experience. And I I wish I could remember the chef's name, but the food was was about as good as as, as his act. It was amazing. And then the last night of the cruise, uh, we ate at the steakhouse called Butcher's Cut. Um, This was kind of our our last, you know, kind of honeymoon celebration dinner. The food was good, not great. Uh, In their defense, I feel like it's hard for for cruises to offer that incredible steakhouse experience anymore because steakhouses are so a dime a dozen now. And you've got them kind of on every corner in every major city across the U.S. So, again, it was good, not great. I had the ribeye and my wife had a filet. Um, They overcooked mine and undercooked hers, but they tried to make it right, and we really didn't make a big deal out of it. So again, still good, just not great. So four of the five specialty restaurants that we had were, were absolutely sensational,
0: though. You know, I'm so glad you said that, Matt, about the steakhouse, because like I was on Norwegian Prima a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, I like Cagney Steakhouse. It's good, but it's not like a a top tier for me because like in my studio right now, I'm looking at Ruth Chris across the river in Morton's right here as well. So you can get a a great steak on land for about the same price as you pay on a Norwegian ship.
1: You really can, and and I remember. Uh, and of course, you've you've been on many more cruises than me. But I remember, you know, kind of circa late two thousands when I began cruising on through the 20-teens before the pandemic. I remember the steakhouses really used to be something special. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I'm I'm not sure if it's supply, if it's just that they there are so many specialty restaurants now, or if it's just that, again, we have so many steakhouses in the U.S. all over the place that it just doesn't feel kind of as special as it used to be, if that makes any sense.
0: No, it does, because it used to have, like, the supper club type theme, right? Like, it was a, it was an event. You would just dress up. You wouldn't roll in there with jeans and a T-shirt on. You'd be sent away. No,
1: no. Uh, I, I completely agree, 100%. Yeah.
0: Now I feel like I'm really old and, like, those kids are changing things. <laughs>
1: Yeah, my wife is only twenty six. Again, and said I'm right. thirty five, so I, I feel you. We're, we're kind of on the opposite ends of the millennial, you know, millennial right. spectrum. I'm an older millennial; she's a younger millennial. <laughs> so it's yeah. Anyway, I feel you.
0: So, how about the entertainment on board for these seven nights? I know that like with Europe, it's more of a port intensive itinerary, so they don't tend to offer a ton of entertainment, or if they do, it's just very limited. So, what was the experience on MSC SeaView for the seven nights?
1: Yeah, I, I do give MSC credit. They they did have a full slate uh, of production shows and you know your Broadway style shows and and kind of the things that, that MSC is known for. I will be honest that we actually only did three nights of the shows because that's about all we could make. Um, you you kind of hit it right on the head. Um, we got back a little late. Um, I think I want to say three nights. Of the cruise, we got back a little late, uh, and I got you know kind of had to get dressed real quick for dinner, or we just wanted to you know hit the hit the nightclubs or whatever the case was, and so we missed it. The the shows that we did see, uh, we saw a Broadway production, um, and then we saw an opera show and kind of just a kind of a dance and sing show. All of them were fine. Um, I'm not going to pretend that Michaela or I. That's necessarily our thing, but the shows were good. The theater is nice. If that is your thing, I think this cruise, you'll you'll enjoy it.
0: And how were the sea days as far as crowds and congestion? And also, how was the smoke situation in and around the casino?
1: <laughs> the sea days were fine. Um, we, we actually only had one sea day, as I'm sure uh, a lot of people who have cruised the med, if you're doing a week-long cruise like this was, uh, we only had one sea day and that was on day six, I believe, uh, which, uh, day five or six, whatever is the second to last day. It was that day, uh, when we were leaving Rome and, uh, or, Ch- 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 I can never pronounce it right. And, uh, and heading over to Majorca, And so that was the only sea day that we had. We did get up relatively early, you know preparation that, uh, that we were going to have a little more trouble uh, securing a spot, but we were able to find something right by the main pool deck. Um, Sure, Doug, you know, you're going to have your, your, you know, towel clips and magazines that hold chairs for hours and so on. I think just like most cruise lines, MSCs, uh, pool attendants try to do their best job at, at discouraging this, but it was, you know, still mainly pretty full, but they do have that back pool, deck, which really kind of, I think, relieves some of the pressure on the main pool deck. So I did not find it overly crowded everywhere at all. I thought it was fine. And the ship was full, I asked.
0: The the two pools now, The it's got the, is it set up like a normal, like a midship pool and then like a, a back pool with like kind of the amphitheater type setting back there?
1: Yes, correct. Uh, they do not have an amphitheater back there. I, I know, kind of like for instance, the Norwegian Epic comes to comes to mind with mm-hmm. their you know back pool deck. They've got kind of the theater set up back there too. And obviously on the on the Royal uh, Mega ships, they've got their their grand water theater thing back there. Um, this is just uh, this is the back pool is on deck seven, and it is a much smaller pool, but it's a, kind of a sunset. Uh, pool thing that they've got going on. And what's cool about it, again, you've got a nightclub right there that opens up and kind of spills back into the pool area. And they kind of start the music uh, there kind of in the late afternoons, just kind of prepping for the night, if you will. So it is a little bit, I would say, more of an adult crowd back there. And uh, we we thoroughly enjoyed both pools, though. So yes, to answer your question, uh, it was your traditional top deck You know, mid-range pool or mid-deck, I should say, mid-ship pool. And then down on deck seven, they've got the uh, the back deck, you know, pool back there. Plus, of course, they do have a full uh, solarium with another pool. So three pools on a a ship of this size, pretty good. Um,
0: Any luck in the casino? (laughs) Uh,
1: Neither my wife nor I are gamblers. Uh, I keep hearing how... People on your show uh, go into the casinos and uh, and somehow win these uh, free cruises. I, I need to learn how to do just that, and maybe I'd be more into it. I do like to uh, – I like the sports bet here and there, but uh, other than that, I can't tell you how much of a, of a card uh, player or, or like the, the slots or anything like that, and same thing for my wife. Uh, you asked us about the smoking situation, let me tell you that I give MSC a whole lot of credit on somehow making it seem like there's not a lot of cigarette smoke because uh, the Europeans are great. They have the best food in the world. They're some of the nicest people in the world, but they're one vice. They smoke like chimneys. And somehow, some someway, uh, nowhere on the ship seemed like there was a lot of cigarette smoke. So that was a little bit of a uh, of a relief i did enjoy a cigar on the ship but uh but other than that no problems with smoke.
0: okay now this is a very heavily this is a very port intensive itinerary as you mentioned so what we'll do here is talk about the ports of call and uh what we'll do is give us support a call give us your highlight and then just uh move to the next one just bang through them all
1: absolutely so our first port of call after leaving barcelona uh, my uh, we we went to Cannes uh, I know a lot of people pronounce it can uh, the french pronounce it Con. so we uh, we went to Cannes of course on the french riviera now my wife and I did not have an excursion planned for Cannes mainly because I actually know the city pretty well when I was a junior at LSU in college uh, I actually did a semester abroad in Cannes so I lived there for about 6 months so I really wanted to show my wife you know where I lived, and, and show her a few of my favorite places in the city. And given the baggage situation, uh, we we kind of diverted and did a, a few more you know shopping things here and there to just to kind of give us a little more clothing and until our bags obviously were supposed to show up. Plus, we had a, a beautiful lunch right near the water, near the uh, film festival museum. There, of course, Cannes known for the for the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, We also spent the end of the day at the beach right near the port, which was very, very nice. And the people on the French Riviera, Doug, kind of would remind you of people in the southern United States. It's uh, as opposed to, say, the reputations of Parisians when you're visiting Paris. uh, It's still one of my favorite places on Earth. I just Mm -hmm. I love this little city uh, on the French Riviera. Um, Our next port, which was the very next day, day three of the cruise. Uh, was Genoa. And instead of taking the, the hour ride to Portofino or trying to catch a ferry there, we actually had had some friends who recommended, and I hope I'm saying this right, Boyasco, which is another beach city or another beach commune that looks awfully similar to Portofino. But here's the thing. Portofino is about an hour from Genoa. Uh Voyasco is 20 minutes outside of Genoa and has about half the tourists. So we loved it. Uh, you have to walk down this kind of cliff area in between these colorful buildings that look like it's, you know, out of an Italian postcard or something like that. We just laid on the beach, enjoyed Italian cocktails. Uh, uh, plus the beach was completely free and you could really set up towels anywhere you wanted to. And there were just beautiful little shops and restaurants along the walk, as well as right near the beach. We just loved it. Very Mediterranean looking, just a really, really cool place. Uh, We spent most of the day there before heading back to the ship. Um, Our next cruise port, day four, was Livorno. Uh, This was our first excursion of the cruise. Uh, Livorno is obviously the port if you want to go to Florence or Pisa. Uh, We booked it in advance. Uh, We did do the Florence and Pisa uh, tour that included both cities. Um, We booked this through MSC. It was a a charter bus with a tour guide to, again, both Florence and Pisa. You do board first thing in the morning and just a heads up. It is a long day if you're doing this type of excursion. Um, I had done this excursion again with my father in 2019, and it was the exact same way. Uh, You start off in the morning and it takes about 45 minutes to get to Pisa from Livorno. And, uh, and on the way, the the tour guide explains everything about Pisa and kind of gives you some insight a lot more uh, than just about the tower. Um, I wish I could remember her name. She was great, but Pisa was really, really cool, especially, you know, kind of how the whole town Doug is devoted to to the leaning tower and the buildings and the Mm -hmm. college that surrounded. My wife, uh, really enjoyed seeing the Leaning Tower and enjoyed uh, the shops and the surround, uh, the, you know, the walls there in the area. And uh, the only, I guess, drawback to doing this excursion, you only get about an hour and a half in Pisa before it's time to to board the bus to, to head to Florence. But it is well worth it. Uh, uh, it takes about an hour and a half from Pisa to, uh, to get to Florence uh, after you finish again at Pisa. And then the bus lets you off uh, with the tour guide right near the heart of the city uh, with all of the attractions. You're probably about four to five blocks from the Duomo, which is, of course, the the famous dome in Florence that everyone uh, listening has probably, if you haven't seen it in person, seen on a postcards or on Italian movies or whatever the case is. Uh, Doug Florence is just beautiful. One of those great cities in the world if, if ever there were a place that summed up Italian art and food, it would be Florence. We loved it. The weather was great and we stuffed our faces with Italian food right <laughs> in the main square. Um, you're in Florence for about four hours and the tour guide spends the first hour with you. And then you get three hours to do your own thing before having to get back to the meeting point to walk back to the bus then it takes about an hour and a half to get back to the port. So, again, uh, it's a long day, Doug. You're, you're kind of looking at about 12 hours when you uh, yeah, do it all in the same day. But it was well worth it. Our next port, uh, day five of the cruise was, and again, I never can pronounce this port city, but Chevekia Am I saying it right, Doug?
0: You know what? We'll roll with it. I say Chevecchia, but I'm probably wrong, too.
1: A lot of vowels in the name, yes. a lot of vowels for the Southern boy to pronounce. But anyway, uh, this is obviously the Port of Rome, as most people know. It's about 45 minutes to an hour drive from the port to Rome. Uh, so just keep that in mind if you don't book an excursion through the cruise line. We did book another excursion through MSC called Rome on your own. So essentially, you're just paying for a charter bus from the port to Rome and to get you back to the ship on time. We also purchased the uh, red bus ticket. Uh, We did that on our own. And that's essentially a hop-on, hop-off, double-decker bus that has tons of buses throughout the city that stop nearest to all the sites. Uh, I think it was $25 per person, well worth it. Uh, It really allows you to do the sites that you want to see and kind of skip the ones that you don't. Also, Rome is just kind of simply too big to try to walk it all on your own. Um, Even if you're fit, some things uh, are are just a little too far, in my opinion. It was, you know, my second time in Rome and my wife's first, so we were really trying to do it all. Uh, The Colosseum, the Spanish Steps, Trevi Fountain, uh, we saw those three things along with doing some shopping and eating as well. Rome may have not been built in a day, Doug, but we sure as hell tried to see it all in one. So anyway, we so we uh again, you're gone pretty much most of the day there, and uh, and then you get back to uh to the port city, like I said, shortly before the the ship uh, leaves. Then we had a sea day um, again, our lone sea day of the cruise, day six. Um, again, had a good time on the ship. Really did a lot of exploring on the ship. A lot of uh, of day drinking and partying on the ship and uh, really enjoyed some some time in the sun. And finally, uh, on day seven uh, was uh, Mallorca. Now, we ran into a little bit of trouble on this cruise stop, Doug. Uh, We were booked on a catamaran to enjoy a fun day in the sun off the coast of Mallorca. And again, this was booked through the cruise line. Right when we got down to the meeting point, that was listed on our excursion tickets. We were informed that the excursion had been canceled due to the weather forecast in the area. So they gave us a choice actually to either go on another excursion that was still available, such as like a pearl tour, I think, or I think there was a bus tour of the island or something that was still available, or we could get a cruise onboard credit or a straight refund for what we had paid for the catamaran tour. We actually opted for the onboard credit and applied that to the steakhouse that later that night. So it kind of all worked out. Um, in Majorca, we still got off the ship uh, given this update. We decided to go into the city center and just sort of hang out and window shop and walk around and see that grand uh, cathedral that's right there on the water. What was funny about this, Doug, was like for the first two hours after we left the ship, it was sunny and beautiful. So we were kind of like, man, we, we got screwed out of this catamaran tour. But then the clouds rolled in and it started pouring for several hours and kind of sent us back to the ship a little earlier than we had anticipated. So whoever made the decision to cancel the catamaran tour was right. We were wrong. Uh, this was the only bad weather day that we had on the entire cruise, though. Every other day was perfect. So not too much to complain about.
0: Awesome. When you were in uh, Florence, did you check out – gosh, I can't remember the name of it, and I'll probably butcher it, but it was like a – it was a bridge over the water. had a bunch of shops on it, the Ponte Vicho or something like that, where there was like was this killer bakery at the very end of the bridge, but it was a bridge with a ton of like – it was almost like an outdoor flea market going over the bridge, over the waterway in Florence. Did you walk to that?
1: Doug, I don't think we did. No. I could have seen it and just not put, you know, two and two together for what you're talking about. But that's what's great about Florence. And again, it's almost kind of unfortunate when you when you do a Mediterranean cruise. Um, I, I I love it because you're getting to see so many things in a short period of time. But I also don't like it because you're seeing it in a very condensed version. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wish I could do exactly what you're talking about. And trust me, one of these days we're going to go back and just do, you know, three or four days in Florence, three or four days in Rome. Um, But no, unfortunately I didn't see that.
0: So let's talk about debark. You make your way back to Barcelona. How was that process?
1: Very easy. Um, Again, uh, MSC seems to have prime placement uh, with whatever their um, their uh, terminal is. It's very, very easy. It's right next to Celebrity's terminal uh, right there. Again, Barcelona seems kind of like a, a Miami or a Lauderdale or Canaveral of, of Europe. Um, they've got it designed so well. Traffic flows in and out of there almost perfectly. Uh, it was very, very easy. We actually used one of the, uh, I can't remember exactly which app it was, but we actually used one of the, um, the daytime hotel type of apps just because uh, we didn't fly out actually out of Barcelona until late that night and obviously had to be off the ship, I think by 10 a.m. And so um, we explored Barcelona. It really gave us a chance to treat Barcelona kind of like another port stop. And so, of course, we went to the, uh, what is it, the Gaudi, um, uh, the Gothic uh, uh, church and and really saw a lot of the sites in Barcelona. And then we still had, even after that, about three to four hours to kill before it was time to go to the airport for a red-eye flight. And that's when we decided to do one of those daytime, like I said, hotels and kind of catch a two-hour nap before it was time to uh, to head back to the States.
0: Yeah, the two the two ones I really enjoy to use, uh, the two hotel apps I really like to use rather are um, Hotels by Day and Day Use. Both of those are excellent. And have tons of options.
1: I think we use Day Use. Yeah, uh, that that seems to kind of be in my head somewhere, and certainly I could pull it up. But yes, I, I think that's the one we use. And that's what a great thing. Mm-hmm. I, I remember, as I'm sure you do, uh, I remember you know getting off of a cruise, especially before I lived in Florida getting off of a cruise in Miami and, you know, having seven hours to kill or something like that before it was time to catch a flight back to new Orleans. And, uh, and I can tell you, I wish those would have existed about 10 years ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, as we walk this interview down, any first time tips to offer?
1: Yeah. You know, obviously if you are, are on the East coast of, of the U S and again, uh, my wife and I live in Tampa. If you're on the East Coast, um, you have a lot of different options to get over to Europe uh, to do a Mediterranean cruise. I still think it is probably the best way for the price and the time that you're going to have to see Western Europe and to see the Mediterranean region. And I guess Central Europe at that, uh, to see that region It is so worth it. I understand the ease of of taking a Caribbean cruise. I get it, especially, again, if you're in the Southeast or live on the East Coast, just uh, hop a quick flight down to somewhere in Florida and go to the Caribbean. Well, the cool thing about taking a Mediterranean cruise, certainly if you're watching your budget and so on, is that it pretty much, excuse me, pretty much costs the exact same to take a Mediterranean cruise. Obviously, the difference is trying to get over there, which they are very competitive. Um, I would be careful on choosing who you fly with and where you uh, where you could end up as a stop <laughs> with going there. But other than that, um, it is well worth it to do it.
0: Yeah, I've done some crazy ass routing myself when it comes to just to save a, <laughs> a thousand or two dollars on airfare, like coming back from the Philippines. It was. It was damn near four thousand dollars for a one-way ticket back to New York from Manila, but I, I managed to do it in under a thousand going from uh, Manila to a day in Dubai and then Dubai fifteen hours to New York City. I did it in like I think like eight hundred and eighty-eight dollars instead of close to four thousand US. So,
1: man, oh man, yeah, we had the opportunity. Um, we were going to do kind of some crazy uh, routes on the way back. We were looking, I think at, at, uh, Air Moroc, Royal Air Moroc and doing like a day in Casablanca, mm-hmm. you know, heading back from, from Barcelona, uh, to there and then on to Miami. And we just decided to spend a little bit of extra money and flew straight back to New York and then hop that very, you know, easy jet flu flight, uh, from New York to Tampa. But, uh, nonetheless, uh, there are some crazy routes that they will, uh, that they will send you to other parts of the world before you you make it over there. So choose wisely, as someone very much smarter
0: than me would say. Exactly. So looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for y'all?
1: Doug, it was just spending time together. Not to sound like a hopeless romantic, but we met on the MSC Maravilla in in January of, of 2020 and began a long distance relationship that uh, went right into a pandemic into which uh, we flew 42 times back and forth from Tampa to New Orleans and back to see each other when no one else was flying, uh, including, you know, taking a flight. uh, I remember taking a flight in April of 2020 where the flight attendants outnumbered regular people (laughs) on the plane and um, we, We had so many odds against us and there was always that love of cruising and the way that we met and kind of the way that that spawned this idea that it was like the only logical choice for a honeymoon was to do a cruise together. So um, I appreciate the work that you do. Cruising is still the world's best vacation. In my opinion, it's still the best valued vacation And it's people like you and the romanticism that even exists nowadays that, uh, look, I'm only 35. I I don't remember the days of the love boats or uh, what cruising used to be. I only know it here in in the 20 teens and, and now. But I can tell you that there are young people who think that it's the greatest vacation ever, just like some older folks do. And so uh, that's, that's all I got, I, I got, buddy.
0: <laughs> well, uh, well, in closing here, we'll wrap this thing up, put a little bow tie on it by asking you, what are your final thoughts of MSC Seaview?
1: The ship is great. Um, it still is one of my favorite uh, classes of ship with how many outdoor spaces there are. Um, I love other than, you know, uh, the nightclubs and things of that nature, I do love how MSC still has a traditional formal night. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm old school in the way that I do like to dress up every now and again and get those cool pictures and photos and so on. MSC, Doug, still has some work to do. I, I hope eventually they do get their act together to where consistently we can place them with, with the Royals and with the Norwegians and so on uh, and, and be one of those true players. But until they fix some of their issues, they're always going to kind of be right there. But I don't regret this cruise at all. I don't think my wife does either. Uh, It was a magical time celebrating our honeymoon.
0: Very good. And congrats again, Matt. We've been talking with Matt about his seven-night cruise on MSC Seaview out of Barcelona. Matt, thank you again for coming on the show, my friend. It was great speaking to you.
1: My pleasure, Doug. Take care.
0: Do you have a story or a tip to report? Let us know. Email tips at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance?
1: All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast, or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your doubts,